Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 304. I hope you're all well. I am well. I was really looking forward to this conversation. Um, as we mentioned, I think, in the episode, me and Neve, are we proper buddied up after she came on 2019, maybe? Or maybe beginning of 2020. It might have been beginning of 2020, you know, because it was just, yeah, it was just before Calm With Horses came out, which means it was just before the pandemic because that dropped like the week the pandemic all started. But yeah, we'd both been um, chatting a bit whilst filming on different projects and we got on some interesting subjects about like mental health on and off set and stuff like that. And I was going to have her on to discuss it on um, the May Where's Your Head at mental health specials. But then we decided we had far more we wanted to talk about. She's got a new film out called Censor, which is amazing and is in cinemas now. And I highly recommend you go and see it. It's about a woman in the late 80s working on the the, the board of censorship of her films in the era of video nasty. So she's having to view all of these things. And yeah, it's wonderful. It's a real it's it's a horror it's a thriller it's yeah i think you're going to enjoy it a lot or, or a lot of you will have heard prano belly bond on recently talking about it of course so, so yeah go and check that out in the, the cinemas but she's also got a series out called deceit and that blew me away as well so much so that next week i've got a nathaniel martello white on who was also in in the deceit um it's on channel four it'll be on the four player options all that kind of goodness yeah and i highly recommend it so basically we figured that there was more that we wanted to talk about than just a little 10 minute segment on the mental health episode so yeah that's why we lined up this full chat and i hope you enjoy it because i enjoyed it we recorded this while he was in um her quarantine after traveling back from filming um raised by wolves with ridley scott of all people so obviously there's a lot to talk about this has all happened in the periods since neve was last on the podcast so yeah yeah man loads to talk about and she's just been confirmed in a film with other favorite and previous guests florence Pugh. so i can't wait to see the two of them on a project together all very exciting let's stop rambling on as ever Head over to speechdevelopmentrecords.com to support the podcast. We've got merch over there. There's loads of good merch for whatever weather Britain chooses to throw at us in these strange times. And we've also now got the um, the 10-year the anniversary white vinyl of Distraction Pieces, my debut solo album. Um, and I recorded, I went out into the woods in Vancouver and recorded a spoken word version of it. I went out there on my own and found a good spot set up my equipment and recorded a spoken word version of the album that's all available at speechdevelopmentrecords.com um as said if this is your first time tuning in go and check out the prano bailey bond one or if you just missed that go and check that out that was a couple of weeks back other people that neve has worked with stephen graham um he's been on three times now i think he's a regular that boy um but yeah loads of really good episodes to check out um another person who's in deceit eddie marson previous guest i can't think of any more off the top of my head now michael smiley is in censor uh so yeah loads of good previous guests if you want to check 
them out and the aforementioned Florence Pugh. So yeah, let's get on with the podcast. This is episode 404 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with the return of Neve Algar. rolling right i'm here today with neve algar how are you i'm good pep i'm good we're coming to you live outside buckingham palace yes <laughs> you're on is it day three or day four of quarantine <sighs> what is this i have six more sleeps that's how i've worked it out yeah 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 so it's intense actually do you know what it's it hasn't been just yet yeah because we've been like so i came up i just come off of raised by wolves and everyone's doing the quarantine. So what the production have done is they've set up online exercises for ourselves and amazing therapy. They've given us like uh, access to counselling and meditation. That's absolutely amazing. Yeah. That's so good. I was, I was, I was going to kind of ask about that because I know Raised by Wolves, it is a physical one. And I know, you know, I've seen that there there has been regular exercise regime and all this kind of thing. So things like that, often get overlooked when you go from a regular workout regime to a 10-day quarantine where and you're you're in the quarantine hotel because you've come from mm. a red a red list country so you're literally you can't leave a room and i believe fitness stuff is everyone's individual choice but i do believe it can be really good for your mental health so if you're going into a weird situation to suddenly have the drop-off of endorphins or whatever from what you were doing and from being on set, you know, it looks like a really fun set. So from being on set every day to being in a room on your own, that must be weird. So that's awesome that they've they've put all that together. Yeah, they're really clued in with it, you know. And even when we were, even when we were, you know, doing the shoot, we had, it was the first time this season that we had an intimacy coordinator. She was also qualified with it's like emotional let go so if you're doing scenes that are quite emotionally heavy you know she basically just at the at the end of it at the end of the scene will just kind of reset you and get you out of your head and into your body but yeah as you said you can't go from like exercising every day to like sitting in a hotel it's great for like the first two days and you're like oh I'm going to catch up on all the the tv series I've missed out on or ring friends but you need to get blood flowing around your body because otherwise yeah. you'll, you'll get stuck in your head again. Well, that's me. Like everyone is is completely different, but I can't sit still. <laughs> so this has been an absolute test. Yeah, and it's a weird one, I think, particularly when you sling jet lag in there or anything mm. else, the best laid plans of mice and men coming. I know when I was quarantining in, in Canada, I had plans to watch so much stuff. Everything I was putting on, I couldn't focus on. And I was like, I know this is a good show. So I don't want to just have it on and not like if I'm not in the right frame of mind. So we were talking about your quarantine before it happened, and I was kind of saying, <laughs> plan as much as you can, but be ready to not do any of it because again, yeah. it's what the mood takes at the time. And but it's 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 a weird one because what you said there leads on perfectly because we were I was g- gonna have you on for the mental health specials in May. But we decided we wanted to talk kind of in more depth rather than a little 10-minute chat because yeah. we'd been ch- chatting back and forth about about mental health off-camera. Um, and it's, it's, it's something I've spoken to a few friends about but never really on a podcast. 
people like I mean, I first really saw you in in Virtues and then Calm with Horses, and these are heavy, dramatic shows. And I've, I've spoken to our mutual friend Stevie Graham about this. We will praise and laud the performances when people go to these dark, dark places. I spoke a little bit with Vicky McClure about it as well. Some of the stuff that she got across in this in This Is England was heart wrenching. But we don't talk much about what it takes to get to that place and then the impact after getting to that place. And I think where we were th- launched into an into unprecedented times with lockdowns and quarantines, there was maybe a bit of a learning curve there. Because I, th- I think you would normally have had, if you've done an emotional scene, you'll normally be able to then either go out for a drink with people in the evening to get yourself out of that headspace or catch up with someone in some way, have some kind of moment to remind you you're you rather than the character. But during lock, the, the, at least the first chunk, all filming during that first chunk, you couldn't have any of that. So, yeah, what were your experiences of that and how have you found it all? Yeah, it's like you said, we, we've all gone through that experience of being kind of stuck in a place where we've kind of lost control of being able to, I suppose, busy ourselves. But yeah, that that because I remember like I was I was texting you whenever I was I was shooting Deceit. And because my character is I, I was, you know, I was in every day for 10 weeks straight. And it's 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 a heavy, it's heavy material and the character goes quite on a psychological and and mental journey and physically from beginning to end. And it was something that you had to be forgiving of yourself in the evenings and not break down every scene. And like, for me, it's like, I, I'll i never come away from a scene and go, I've nailed it. I've, you know, when you, like, actors, mm-hmm. you, you've been on set when like you've heard people go, you smashed it, you nailed it. And yeah. you're like, I don't know what that means. Not that I'm not being like trying to be self-indulgent in, in it, but you, you, it's hard whenever, as you said, we get rewarded for going to an emotional place and it's a weird feeling to get that yeah. reward because in life no one is seeing you break down and cry and going well done that moved me yeah <laughs> if anything yeah. they're doing the opposite they kind of walk the other way and they go yeah. she's, she's having a little bit of a blobby moment over there just leave her be but yeah you can't say uh, it's because it, you, you've convinced your body that and, and your head to a certain extent that the situation that you you're in in that scene is real and yeah. you've you've created these chemicals in your body and it's it's almost done that fight fight or flight reaction and so what i found is that you go home at the end of the day and I, I couldn't sleep and that was the problem it was the my sleep pattern went completely arseways you know there's three things you kind of need and that your body is and you as a person is kind of latching onto and that is just sleep food and shelter and I suppose safety is that is those, and if one of those is is being compromised or is out of whack, you you can't really make proper decisions, and mm. you can't really assess a situation clearly. Is that what that, that's what I found? And so I think what I was beginning to do on 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 a shoot, not just on the seat, but on other shoots, was that because the characters were going through these kind of heartbreaking moments, that I was leaning into that and I was allowing my sleep pattern to purposely get disturbed because then I could access that emotion really easily. Yeah. But it's not like, that's not normal. You can't, you can't maintain that. And it's just like a learning, but it really is just a learning curve because it isn't, that isn't sustainable as a person to continuously 
be in that headspace. So it's like, you know, people talk about when they work on themselves, it's like I've really in the last year really had to work on myself as an actor off screen in order to maintain this career. And I think being in a production like Raised by Wolves, where they're they're really empathetic and they're and they know you're away from home and they're reminding you of the importance of physical exercise getting out and also the importance that it's it is okay to like talk to someone outside of production if you are struggling or just just to talk to someone about anything yeah you know and and I think it's like there is no weakness in that and it's not I think that is going to become more I feel like because we talked about the idea of like having an intimacy coordinator but I think it's going to become more common practice to have say an emotional support coordinator yeah on a set because yeah. it would it would take so much pressure off a director because like I just think about what goes through a director's head during a day when they have like so many scenes to get through. The last yeah. thing they want to do is check in. TV, yeah. Particularly in TV, ah. where it's just a constant flow, right? Yeah, well, you know, everyone's turning up as a professional and they're not kind of checking in with the, you know, the grip department and going, are you okay now with everything yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. that went at the end of the scene? It's like, if you if you access an emotion for a character and you've done it and you've, I suppose, spoken truthfully in that scene and the director is happy, they're, they're immediately thinking of the next scene that they need to capture and they're not kind of going, oh, I need to check in with Neve and make sure she's yeah she's okay. But having someone, I think, on a set like that, we had this amazing woman called Kate Lush and she'd just take us and we'd go into the into the, into the the green tent or uh, cast holding and just get us to like meditate for two, three minutes, just doing kind of like Wim Hof breathing. And then you're reset okay. and then you can go and you're like, oh crap, yeah. And it, you just remind yourself, it's, it's acting. It's yeah. not, we don't need to torture ourselves and I think that's so much easier said than done but it's something that I found myself becoming more empathetic towards myself to allow myself to kind of go it's all right you've just gone through this crazy adventure as a character you can feel down it's okay yeah I I often struggle to to lose myself via Wim Hof breathing purely because I went to Wim's house once and the first 30 minutes was him f- finding my name hilarious, just repeatedly, <laughs> just ages of him going, Scroobius, screw it, just, just keep coming back to it. I was trying to bring the conversation on and move it. Just, he found it hilarious. So I think I'd, I'd lose myself there. But it's interesting <laughs> what you touched upon there because I think there's a romanticism in the idea of the broken artist, of the damaged mm. artist, of the, of the tortured artist, of putting yourself through these things. And the actors that I talk to who don't have that issue or don't aren't tempted into that to put themselves through that are the ones who've got wives and kids. Yeah. (laughs) Because they can't. They're like, I can't go home and be, I'm so, you know, I'm I'm really in the character because you've got a kid who wants their breakfast and stuff like that. And I think that can be a positive thing because I think there is a a tendency to to lean, lean in that direction. In all ways, you know, you've also read the classic stories of directors who put their actors through absolute hell and they've made a classic and you kind of go, well, still, that's not really acceptable though, is it? Like, like it's, yeah. it's wicked, but there's yeah. also absolute masterpieces that weren't born of discomfort and yeah. torture and, and, and horror. So I think it's a positive thing to try and push the art in different, in, in, in better directions rather than going, you have to end this absolutely broken yeah for the art it's so true I remember on the virtues it was a scene I think it was roughly around yeah it was it was the end of the end of the series where Dina kills her mother 
spoiler alert, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and in one of the takes, I kind of swiped all of the the religious uh, memorabilia that was around the house, and one of the one of the pieces was actually nailed onto the because it kept on oh, wow. wobbling in the scene, and it was like this cross, and it kept on wobbling in the scene, and I swiped it. And I remember as I did, I just feel, felt something like run down my hand and it was it was blood. And I just continued on the scene and we just we kept going. And I remember being in in a, in the restaurant later on that night and Stevie Graham was there and he was just like, see that you're good. What I'm trying to get out of here is like that wasn't necessary because at the end of the day, you're, you're Neve. You're fine in the scene. Yeah. But just remember it's like and it was an accident as well. But it's like, yeah. you know, you see see actors and they like punch walls and you know in a scene and they end up like cracking a knuckle and it's not necessary <laughs> you know but it's so tempting and alluring it's so as an tempting artist, and so, it? yeah because you're like yeah I need I get to do this and and uh, even though that that was a mistake I still have that like scar on my hand and it's like it's, you know makes for a nice story but yeah. what like if I look at that scar and I compare it to what my mental health would be yeah I'm kind of going like it's it's not worth it so just it's just the art of letting go, isn't it? Just do the scene, let go, and then you can focus on the next scene for the day. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. easy, that's so much easier said than done, but, you know, there'll be practices in it, you know? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I want to also make it clear quickly, because we discussed this as well at the time, the, the production of Deceit was a wonderful one for keeping an eye on you for looking after you and all this kind of thing it wasn't like i've just realized it sounds as if we're saying no, 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 you, no. you were kind of <laughs> left abandoned but there were certain things in that period because of covid and everything that you, yeah. you there's nothing that can be done and, and yeah no you know I mean? jesus it's, we were so so well looked after neil mccormick yeah. the director on it and amelia our writer um and dave our producer they 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 couldn't have gone on an adult uh, another producer on it like they couldn't have gone above and beyond to consult and check in yeah it's just in the time that we made it it was the first production back after the strict lockdown and you know what it's like to be on a production you if you're staying in a hotel or like a cast or roughly in the same city we'll all go and, and have a few pints after work and you can um kind of unload the, like the day shooting but there yeah. wasn't that we were just yeah. all going back to our out back to our houses or hotel rooms and just sitting there and going oh god <laughs> and and unloading is 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 the key term there i know i talked about it at, at the time but samaritans do a thing where at the end of a shift they unload they 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 every time there's a samaritan shift there has to be someone who's on who's at home and is on for mm. unloading so at the end of the shift you have to ring them and just say how the shift's gone and how you're feeling yeah and that act of saying it out loud allows you to leave it there yeah rather than take it back to your house or to your hotel or whatever else and I think there's a lot of stuff that we do instinctively socially that that is actually looking after our mental health and that stuff changed during the pandemic and you wouldn't have realized that you were I said going for a drink after work you you wouldn't have realized that that was part of your self-preservation but um having it removed can, can really get it on top of you and it's an interesting one because your character in Deceit, the role that you're playing is someone that's getting l- lost in playing a role. It's it's for it's for people who don't know. Um, it's coming out s- soon. It's on Channel Four. It's a true story of an undercover a, a police officer. And watching it, I was like, there's such weird parallels to the job 
that we do. Like, there's a point where Sadie slash Lizzie is in hair and makeup <laughs> and kind of having a light chat before going and do, doing something really heavy. And I was watching that thinking, that's the reality of this. That's, that would have happened prior to this scene kind of thing. <laughs> it's, it's such a weird, a weird parallel. So how was that to find that character and to, yeah, to relate, I guess? Yeah, so before I consulted with several covert officers, female covert officers who had gone undercover um, because... Uh, Sadie Byrne, who you know is the, the the character in this, is based it's based upon the the real life yeah. undercover officer that uh, was involved. But it's not I, I I didn't have access to her. I couldn't contact her, so I had to create a character of my own based off my own research. And so I, I was speaking to this one undercover officer, and she said it was like yeah, it's just exactly it's, not, it's like it's like. It's like acting, Neve. It's like you're creating a character that you have to completely connect to, but also if you get it wrong, <laughs> you could get it, you could die. Yeah. And I was like, flipping hell. Like, you know, that's, you know, we're, we're fine. And that's what's kind of like with, with acting. It's like, you know, if we get it wrong, no, no one's going to give out to you. They'll just mm. have to go over and, and do more takes. But with them, it was, the pressure was so immense they completely commit and have your legend, which is, you know, this this character that they create to a T that when they go into a situation with a drug dealer or uh, like a paedophile that they can't detect whether or not they're going to be, you know, uncovered. And as, as you said, it's like the same thing. It's like our job as an actor is to convince the audience that what we're saying is the truth. Yeah. You're, we're just manipulating. I suppose there's a form of manipulation. So that word of manipulation was kind of like a way in for me as the character is the idea that she is manipulating others, but also manipulating her own emotions. And there's a point where she exercises that skill so much that she can't switch it off. Yeah. And th- the lines between what she believes in and and what this character believes in becomes incredibly blurred. And also, I think being in that headspace of not being able to go and have points at the end of end of a day shoot and just going home was the similar with this character is that she would go on these these dates and go back to her flat and then live with that live with like what she's just said and talked about mm. and how that would have been running around in her head all day and it's incredible like looking at like looking back on it now it's just I suppose it was re- fairly relatable as an actor but also I think for her, like she used to do this, she did it for like 18 months and you can understand how that would take such a massive toll. I think the longest I've ever played a character is nine. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that answers your question. No, but, no, but... completely. It's, it's, I, I was constantly finding the parallels interesting because the actual case happened in the early 90s, if I remember yeah. correctly. Um, and again, there was real parallels in the a male-dominated area, industry, Mm-hmm. power wise and blurred lines over how far you're willing to go and what you're willing to do and we've seen in in the in the film and tv industry recently some horrible truths come through allegations i should say but some some some, some terrible things r- revealed where people have been pushed f- further than they want to be pushed or or had it implied that if you don't do this if you're not willing to be n- naked in this scene or audition or whatever else then then you won't get the role, and that felt like a parallel between you know what what was was has gone on in in film and TV and what was was going on 
at that point and, and, and with this character. So again, I think it's a positive, as you said, inter- intimacy officers and all these other different or counselors and, mm. and whatnot. It's mo- it's moving in a, a positive direction, right? I don't think yeah. there's. I think we're moving away from the. Well, if you're an artist, you'll do this, or you won't worry about it. Because again, it's completely hu- human, as you as you said uh, uh, with Stevie after you've cut your hand, saying you're still you're still naive. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's not that you've you've now got to, to take that on with you, um, the physical and the mental. So, yeah. but as you said about the, that whole importance of offloading with officers like undercover officers especially during the late 80s and early 90s was which was the time we got, we'd set this character is that they didn't have emotional support mm-hmm. they didn't it, you know they didn't have counselors that they could go and talk to and, and say how the the job was affecting them whereas now it's compulsory yeah they have to they have to go to like weekly weekly counseling sessions or if you know it depends on if if they're within an operation they have to do that then and there and they offload yeah before the end of the day, as you said, so they're not bringing that home. Yeah. Mm. Uh, again, I love the positive changes on on the one I was shooting in Canada when we're, while you were, were shooting um, a, a deceit. I had someone reach out because I had I had my first um, a, a topless scene, and I and I I didn't expect it. I had someone reach out and just go, "Just want to make sure you're comfortable with everything. Have you got any concerns?" And I was, I was like. I am. It would have been dope if I knew a, f- a few more weeks ahead of time because I've been in <laughs> isolation and quarantine on my own, so I may not be at my best. But is what it is. Um, but things like that really struck me as how th- how all these things should be done because that isn't even a sex scene or a nude scene or a far more uncomfortable scene. Yet mm. someone was reaching out to make sure to go, everything okay? Is there anything that we can do? Is there anything that you need? And yeah, as, as positive to see and to hear, I guess. Yeah, that's that is great to hear. So, so it's 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 interesting because again, the where we planned to talk about the impact <laughs> of things on your mental health, I was watching the seat and thinking it parallels amazingly because it is that a lot of that is about the mental health of Sadie and the, the struggles that she has, but then also censor. It's kind of about someone being impacted by by all of the stuff that they do at work and, and yeah. taking it home with them. So a, a sensor is about the people who, who, who give the age age classifications and s- censorship for films in the era of the video nasties. And your character in that, you know, has to watch a load of grim and gruesome stuff and choose what is safe for people to see, kind of by s- seeing it herself, which is a weird one. So how was that? as a as a as as a project to kind of go right this is interesting because again it's it's weird man because you censor couldn't be more different from deceit yet they're all actually about mental health in one way or another and how things get to us and how we as humans these days assume that we can just cope with everything when in reality there's limits to what yeah. we can realistically handle in our own head so yeah how was that to to get into that that role and and and, and shoot? That was a fascinating character to and and with Prano Bailey Bond, the director. She's yeah. oh, she's wicked. She's amazing. Because what was so interesting about that, about that is it it's psychological distortion. The character has witnessed something as a child that's created this yeah. um, deep rooted um, 
PTSD and and childhood trauma of losing her sister and so how that can be seeded as a child and how it can manifest into being an adult and how you suppress those those feelings and memories and I suppose when I had read the script is that I had never I'd never experienced or seen a character especially a female character that has that goes on this journey and Mm. deals with suppressed memories and and psychological distortion and so how you could as an artist or actor take that and present something an audience hasn't seen before in the most truthful way I'm not just you know just kind of going like ah yeah she just goes mad or or that's the beauty of it because it comes to the viewer as quite a sharp incline but as you said with things like PTSD from childhood it's going to be stuff that's there there's going to be micro cues and triggers and identifiers that we wouldn't notice because they've become so normal in the life so that when that that one specific thing comes along it seems like you've gone from normal to yeah intense in moments but in reality it was all there it's just that one thing that makes you swerve off the road as such yeah it's it's the one kind of event or there's kind of several events kind of throughout the whole script that cause her to kind of go off kilter and then the one one thing I've seen that film of of Don't Go in the Church that has this quite a pivotal effect on her. And my, myself and Prano had sat down months beforehand. I was I was in Cape Town on season one, shooting Raised by Wolves when this project came in. So we had spent weekends just figuring out the the kind of emotional arc of the character and then also the physical arc. So she goes from this very upright, rigid, and held together human to someone who's almost collapsed in on themselves and is unwinding from the seams. And mm. so, you know yourself, you you shoot something completely out of sequence based off of location. So it was seeding in and create just picking the moments of where the characters, those those bits are going to be showcased. So you're not yeah. just, I suppose, repeating beats. Because yeah. that can easily happen. Is that, not that it can easily happen, but you can, like on your first week, you could end up shooting the end of the movie and then <laughs> you're going to have to work your way back from yeah. that and create an arc that is believable and smooth, but also I suppose letting everything happen naturally and organically. But it was, it was another, it was another character who's exploring the depths of their emotions in certain, to certain, certain extents, but she's a completely different character to, to Sadie. I think I need to do a comedy as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You maybe need to, need to lighten it up, but um, I need to lighten it up, but... <laughs> it's an interesting one. Um, this is going to sound like a weird tangent, but, you know my brain works on, yeah. on weird angles, but Conor McGregor at the weekend, his ankle snapped in mm. in in his fight with Dustin Poirier, and a lot of people were talking about Muay Thai training. And I know you like to 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 beat a bag and some pads up every now and then. So in Muay Thai tr- 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 training, there's there's a split in the the science behind the strengthening of their shins, and some argue that they essentially do small fractures and let them heal, small fractures and let them heal, and it strengthens overall. But some argue that those small fractures can make it so it's kind of almost perforated, so all of a sudden it can just tear. And and Connor's one at the weekend, it it snapped in half from a seemingly small kick. And that made me think of, like, your character in Sensor, for example, where it can be these micro things that have have done small damages small damages small damages you could go through the rest of your life not realizing there's any kind of mental health major issue here Mm. but 
it could be that it finds that one thing, like watching the film that she saw, that snaps all of it. All the small perforations mm. all go at once, rather than strengthening. And yeah, I think it's it's, it's a fascinating thing to watch unfold in, in that film. It hadn't even crossed my mind. I try not to get too inside the actor's studio when, when watching things because it does my head in to think about man you didn't shoot that in order that's that's a head fuck that's that yeah. <laughs> that's too much to get your head around because again it is it's so weird to get all that but yeah it must have been really interesting to find all those small moments and big moments to to make it feel b- a believable p- particularly in a genre piece it is yeah. a crazy horror and it's so it's not the virtues or calm with horses or or these kinds of things it is b- b- bigger and crazier visually and s- sonically yeah. so finding where you need the s- subtleties and where you need to explode must have been a fascinating journey back and forth with prano i'd imagine yeah well she's she's literally in the scenes with you she has her little kind of portable director's monitor and yeah. she's, you know she's she's right there like for when we shot the sequence in which she watches Don't Go in the Church and she sees, feels like she sees her sister for the first time in, in 20 years. She was just like off off screen, just talking through it because, Brilliant. you know, we're not watching, we're looking at flickering lights and everything yeah. that we're imagining as the actor has to narratively play out in her heads as opposed to having the luxury of of seeing seeing the thing that she's actually looking at because, we, yeah. can, you know, there's a camera in front of you so <laughs> it can't yeah. be there. But... I think it it all has to come from trust. You know, you have to, sometimes you can't see, you, the actor can't see the bigger picture of what the, the director is creating. Yeah. We can just trust that what we did in the scene, we believed as as me, as Neve. Yeah. But if that is, if she, you know, if they say, right, we need to pull it back in that emotion or you need to go bigger there in, in the laugh or can you make that, quicken the timing on this, you have to completely trust that, that's the right choice and just give I think you just need to give over some of your creative and artistic rights to your director because ultimately it's their vision and they're going to do with it with they, what they want and when you do that it just frees everything up and it's funny like how for like a genre film or you're not playing it for scares I think the minute oh. you start to play something for scares it's not going to be not going to be funny or it's not going to be funny, not being scary, but... I think it works across yeah. the board. Like, mm. funny's a prime example there. The, the the funny things I've done that I've got the most praise for, I played 100% straight. Yeah. Because I'm not a comedian. I'm, 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 I, and again, I think you're completely right. On all of these things, you play it as a human, and then it's funny because of the screen, because you're watching it through a screen rather than being there or being the individual. Mm. And same with, with scary or horror, rather than going, ooh, and jumping out and being spooky yeah well I suppose so much of horror is that it's there's there's so much other stuff going on to create that atmosphere especially with music and sound yeah and the way in which you reveal a scene but it's I suppose with Enid it was as you said it's it's she goes on such a, a massive shift from where you where she begins and where she ends but as you said it's like if you let everything if you let everything bottle up for so long eventually it's going to explode yeah yeah, exactly. And again, you're completely right there. There's an amazing book by Bresson where he talks about the overlooked importance of of editors in 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 film and TV and how you can what is before and after a scene or a shot even can completely change the mood and the tone. That's why you have to submit on set 
to mm. to to the bigger picture rather than think no well it's not scary at this point or it's not dramatic enough it's like well you just stood there with your head down if it's come before this and that that's that's enough but i guess how did you find putting that faith in someone when again prano a new talent her debut feature how was that to kind of of, of find that faith and trust and go right i believe in this person and then it pay off <laughs> as and then it pay off. yeah it wasn't that oh I, should, I made a mistake there <laughs> i like with prano was I, I met her at the the screen international stars of tomorrow <laughs> such a long title um <laughs> And we just had this, we had a very instant connection and you can just tell when someone is the ambition and I suppose, what's the word? Not drive. It's more just like, I think trust you put in others when you, when you can see that the vision that they're going to create is kind of like you're on the same board. I'm not really making any sense. It's like that feeling. It's like that gut feeling of almost like when you (laughs) find the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Yeah. It's like a gut feeling of been on the same page but also with Prano it was she, she didn't it, it never felt like this was her debut feature film yeah I felt like she was a woman who's this is like her 10th feature and she's about to go direct a tv series at the same time while writing writing a book or something yeah. she's yeah so talented so it didn't take long for me to like kind of go all right you got I you know you can do whatever you want and tell me to go deep into that well or run across that forest and <laughs> with an axe my hand. <laughs> it's got to be when you can tell how much it means to them. I think it's why it's often easier mm. to find that trust on set, on film, than it can be sometimes with a long series TV. Um, yeah. I, I remember the second acting gig I ever did, a guy I was in a scene with, really kind of had it out with one of the directors. And I'm sitting there like, man, everyone just chill. Like, like just trust the director and do as you're told and it wasn't until me and that actor went aside because we took a break because it all got so tense that he kind of said look this is episode eight i've known this character for eight episodes the director is only on for one episode i feel i need to make sure i'm doing what is right for the character rather than someone who's just in for because it is a weird thing with particularly with american tv a different director every episode you know all these these different things Mm. so that was kind of an interesting thing to see where at first I had that completely, just trust the dude. He knows what's going on. You're yeah. in your own head. But then I could see his side of it as well when he kind of said, yeah. no, no, I know the character. I've, I've been playing this character for five m- months at this stage. He wouldn't yeah. have made that choice or done that thing. And I think if you're making a film, it's, it's more you're a collaborator from beginning to end. Yeah, you know? I, do, I do find that with like an episodic telly. Yeah. It's always going to be about the story and you yeah. have to make the story work. You know, the characters are all there and people invest in the characters, but ultimately it's the story that people are buying into. And it's so true. Yeah. But I'm like, and it's mad because like on Raised by Wolves, I remember Ridley saying, it's like, your character is your island, so you need to protect it. And you are almost like the lawyer to that character. You're yeah. the only one who is going to have the hours to put in and research and figure out and justify the actions that they that they choose and within the story. 100%. No one else has that time. So if, for example, you are going into a scene, you as a lawyer, it's like you're turning up for court to defend your clients and you're going like, oh, okay, you want me to come through the door? I thought I was already sit- sitting in the scene. And then you have to go back and figure out, okay, well, why are they coming through the door and not sitting in the scene? And and that's your job. But yeah. you can't you can't be like, oh, protest and go, no, I'm already sitting down in the scene. Yeah, It's um, 
it's collaboration at the end of the day filmmaking is it's collaboration it's the beauty of it isn't it bringing it back to like prana was that i immediately felt that trust is because how she talks to everyone on the crew and how she talks to the cast is the complete same yeah and she listens to everyone and hears what it is that they need out, out of her and what they need and what they require for that to make that scene work and when everyone feels heard everyone is on board with creating this one thing yeah. and listening to the one person that's vision it is and it's it's ultimately hers so yeah i think that, that brings us back to, it does. to no it's perfect but i i want to pause you for a second and just put a bit of 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 amazing reality on top of you as as you're you're sat in your quarantine hotel three days in on zoom we're just chatting away you got to start a sentence by saying i remember ridley saying (laughs) and that's ridley scott like literal actual icon how crazy is that 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 you've done two series now with ridley and it's this huge amazing again couldn't be more different from the low-key i guess intimacy of things like virtues it's big i mean the costumes are cool as fuck the haircuts are cool everything about it just gets you allows you to go out there and be man how cool is this kind of thing so how's that been and working with ridley again you've been doing it you've done two seasons of long shoots so it will become a day-to-day life but how often do do you get to kind of pull yourself back and go man how crazy is this Oh, like every day, every day I was doing that. <laughs> it wasn't like, that's because, you know, where we were in Cape Town, in the studio, like we, we occupied the entire Cape Town film studios, which is like five, five studios wow. and had all the sets there. And, and then we had our external locations. But, you know, he's like, a, he's not that he's like a big kid, but he has the energy of a kid. Like his energy is, is infectious. Yeah. And it's that, it's that passion you know, when you see someone who is still so passionate about the filmmaking and the stories that he's making, as he probably had when he, you know, first started out, you know, he's definitely one to watch. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, keep an eye on him. I, keep I, an eye on him. <laughs> I love hearing about the, uh, these icons and the way they make, the way they sh- 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 shoot. It's something we touched upon earlier, an example of Quentin Tarantino, he shoots in script order. Mm. Um and I worked with some some guys, the Blaine brothers, recently, who sh- who who do the same because they were told originally, yeah, but Quentin shoots in script order, or Quentin can shoot in script order because he's Quentin Tarantino. And their argument was, yeah, but maybe he's Quentin Tarantino because he shoots in script. Like maybe it's flipped yeah. the other way around. And Ridley's a, a similar one. You hear of the amazing just multi-camera for every scene so he can capture everything and people will argue for newer directors or upcoming to go yeah but that's Ridley Scott of course he can do that but I would argue well maybe that's why he's Ridley Scott maybe we shouldn't go oh these things are unachievable us mere mortals couldn't yeah. film like that when it's like well maybe that's there's a reason for it and obviously there's a reason for it but how much freedom does working in that way give you with multiple cameras so you know each each go through of a scene you're being picked up on close up on mid on multiple yeah. things how 
how is that to work? It's great. And Shane, Shane Meadows does the same thing as well. Yeah. Anybody yeah. he shoots chronologically. Yeah. Um, I suppose, yeah, well, like with Ridley, I was in season one, I, I was meant to fly out kind of mid-January and then they rang me just after Christmas and was like, by the way, we're going to have to come bring you out two weeks in advance. And I was like, okay. He's like, yeah, Ridley's two weeks ahead of schedule in filming. You know, it's like, That's what? the opposite of every like, job no, you like, ever do ever. <laughs> like two weeks ahead of schedule is like mental. Yeah. But yeah, he was, I, it's like with that, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I was terrified in season one. Like I was yeah. terrified. You're like, oh, I'm going to get found out. He's probably going to look at the casting sheet and go, wait a minute. What? I didn't, that wasn't like early on the cast. You know, and you're always like, I've never had such, insane imposter syndrome when I when I was out there for the first season you know because really he's like my hero like yeah. Alien was it the reason why I fell in love with horror well, yeah but like when you shoot on when you shoot with multi-camera it means that it's supposed they have more choices I suppose in those in those takes because you're not you can you can change it up I suppose is the reason after mm-hmm. after a few takes because you've you've established you've it, on, it. The, yeah. on the close wide yeah. and, and mid but he come in and he doesn't over explain scenes. And that's, I think, so important. Like I've worked with directors in the past where there'd be just too much information being thrown at you. And you've kind of forgotten the first note because they're, they've given you seven notes. And I always yeah. find that the best director is the one that just kind of give you one clear, clear note. And so you can just kind of focus on that and it kind of frees you up. And he would do that. He would just be like, yeah, you're, you're a soldier, you're a combat medic and you need supplies. So everything you you see on this set right now is free for you to kind of touch and move and take with you. And so wow. you then begin to forget about the dialogue and you connect with your surroundings. And I think sometimes that's, you forget that as an actor is like, you can touch these props as opposed to just making sure that what you're saying is the most important thing in the scene. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. And that must be partly as well with the freedom of, of the multi kind of, cam sh- sh- shooting because there's in the traditional form there is a thought of anything you touch you've then got a touch in the same yeah. way on the next oh. next course <laughs> set up so i casually like I, I, again i remember a, a film i did in france where i casually just i put my arms up on the on the back of the sofa that day in my hotel room i've never been in as much pain because i had to be up like that for every scene <laughs> and actually it's not as relaxing as it looks it's really uncomfortable and i had the biggest regret over m- making a choice in, in an early early version in the wide or whatever it's like right now every scene um i'm doing That's this so true. i was squatting in a scene there <laughs> last month i do the scene where i'd come in and kind of squat and kind of hold the squat yeah. And I was like, by take two, I was like, I have made a massive mistake. <laughs> this is an error. <laughs> My legs were like burning the next morning. I felt like I'd just run up a hill. Yeah. It's, it's... Props are the worst. I like, I remember when it was, well, I worked with an actor one time. It was like, the, anytime you get given a prop, try and put it down. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Otherwise, it becomes all about the prop and you can't remember. Or food, eating in a scene. Oh, man. Yeah. Or cigarette smoke. Oh, I was so with the character of Sadie smokes in deceit. And I nearly, I, I puked one day on set because I, I had smoked so much in, in a take. And I didn't need to. I just, you get, you, you start to panic because I'm not a smoker. Yeah. So you start panicking, you start to like overuse the cigarette. Here I am holding it. <laughs> or like, <laughs> I'm burning myself as well. Yeah. God, cigarettes are the worst. You see, you see, I quite like a prop for the exact thing that you were saying there of making myself forget about the dialogue. Because I think, weirdly, 
because I've actually got a stutter and most of my characters don't have a stutter, I can overthink the dialogue at points because I'll be... I will have planned out the night before where I'm going to breathe, where I'm, and all different things because it's it's how I can manage to not stutter in a scene. So I will have yeah. put in all this extra work, but it's exactly the same as anyone else. Once you've put the work in, you can stop thinking about it, if you know what I mean. But it's not as easy. So, so I quite like again on on debris I was doing in Canada. There was one of the last things we shot. I had a load of different props I had to get. I had to go and set up these scanners and then get these pills and give them to each person. (laughs) And it was my favourite scene because I was like, my character would be really focused on that rather than what he's saying. Because in day-to-day life, we're not sitting there thinking, oh, what shall I say next? We're doing the stuff that we need to do and speech is just coming out. And I adored that because I was like, right, I know I've got to do that and then that and then that and then that. And it just meant all the dialogue was just... It's it it's an afterthought, which is yeah, like, is nature. It's not about oh, how am I going to d- deliver this dramatic speech? Like you don't yeah. think that in real life. So yeah, you become like unaware of what you look like. Yeah, yeah. That's it. It's like kids; which they don't realise what they. It's it's that is yeah. Um, I mean, I I, I do want to go back briefly before we wrap up as we as as we get into that area. How was it to work on a sci-fi like this? Because again, it just looks so beautiful, and as said. I watched every episode of series one and thought everyone filming that must have felt so cool when they were filming it. Just because, again, it all <laughs> looks amazingly, all the character design and everything from your guys to the kind of the, the people that you're against as such and the mother and father and all this. How did that feel each day, just, just getting to go and play dr- dress up as such? Yeah, it was. We were like big kids, to be honest. Yeah. The costumes and... It felt like it would be. It felt as... It was. as n- not to demean the art of any of it. It felt like I would be sitting there each morning thinking, fucking cool, I get to go and be that person now, rather yeah. than, well, this is going to be a heavy day. <laughs> this is, <laughs> is going to be depressing. I get to go, oh, look, I get to go and be a space person. Sweet. Space girl. Yeah. And we... Because we were working with a lot of kids as well on yeah. that show, that you do get reminded that this is this is like a big game. Yeah, you're playing... We're playing, but I think it's quite important, especially with the sci-fi, not to take it, not to take it as seriously, but to obviously you ground it in the most kind of relatable thing as you can as a, as a human that's gone through some, something similar because every now and again, your brain will go, what, what did I just say? Like, what does that mean? (laughs) You know, (laughs) like, (laughs) you know, there's flying snakes and and if you begin to think about it too much, it can kind of overwhelm you because you're like, oh, I don't know, I've never ex- experienced a flying snake, but you know, I'm scared of, I'm scared of real snakes. So yeah. just connected to that, and yeah, no, like it's amazing. It's a long, it was a long shoot, and the heat was like mm. crazy. As in, it was cool, but we were like a hundred, hundred degrees. And then Abu and Amanda are in their latex suits. So every time we complained about the heat, we kind of have to look over and they're kind of giving you like a cocked look of going, seriously, <laughs> like... You'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be fine. We're in latex, for God's sake. And every yeah. time we have to go to the toilet, it takes us like an hour and someone has to unzip us <laughs> and cover us in talcum powder. So, yeah. yeah, so much, just a lot of fun. And we created a proper family of cast out there and crew. And yeah, you just you kind of make lifetime friends, you know. Is this the first show you've done that's multi-seasons and you get that kind of family yeah. feel about it? It's 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 a weird nomadic j- job at times that you'll do a film or a TV show and you'll become 
so close to these people for that period of time mm. and then you're on to the next gig. So was yeah. it nice to return to them and be like, oh, here we are. Yeah. I remember you guys. Because there's a familiarity to it, you know, and you, for as in season one, you feel like everyone had that sense of imposter syndrome on this big show. And then season two, it's like, we we had a lot of the same crew returning. So mm. just to feel like you had those familiar faces that were, you know, half covered with a mask yeah. in with new COVID protocols is nice because you're you're so far away from home and there was we couldn't leave at all, you know, we couldn't as you know, we couldn't travel to and from. So knowing that you were going back to that familiarity is just so nice. Yeah. So so to to wrap things up, what's ahead? And what's the plan? You know, after you've obviously you've got six more sleeps in 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 quarantine. <laughs> have perfect. have you got stuff immediately lined up? Are you excited to just be back for a bit? Because I said it, it, it it's it's a fucking weird time to be working, and you've been really lucky to have some great projects. But it is isolating, and it is it does take you. It's not the time where, as you say, you could have been you've got a week off, I'll pop home, or someone will come out and visit yeah. or vice versa. It's all very restricted. So, yeah, what's the plan? What are you looking forward to and what's and what's ahead? I'm looking forward to getting out of the hotel, yeah. <laughs> seeing the it's big bad stuff. world. <laughs> um, and I'll take, a, I'll take a couple of weeks and then I'm starting another project in Ireland. I, I, I'm, no, I'm not allowed to talk about but <laughs> are you excited to get back to Ireland though? Because again, yeah, it's... like I haven't seen my family since before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the longest I think I've been been away. I'm just really looking forward to shooting back in Ireland. Like I shot Cam with Horses there, and yeah, that's about three years ago I think now at this stage. And so yeah, just get just looking forward to just seeing friends. I'm sick of FaceTime. I'm so sick of it. I'm done yeah. with it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, no one sits and looks at their phone for an hour, solid, staring at someone. If we did that, we'd all get freaked out. Yeah, we'd be like, "What is wrong with you? Why have you not looked away?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a bizarre, it's a bizarre normality, isn't it? That we've all yeah. kind of taken yeah. to accept. Yeah, I've gotten into the Sopranos. I started the Sopranos this season or Great. this this week. Great. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's an Italian it, family. It, yeah, I've heard of them. <laughs> um, it, it was my quarantine. Thing I, I I took the entire Blu-ray set to Canada with me, and over the six months I was out there, I watched the the, the whole lot. But it's amazing. Did you feel like you're a part of the family? Oh, completely. I feel like I'm in it now. I feel yeah. like I'm I'm part of the family, and I I, I do anything for Tony. You yeah, a hundred percent. What do you need me to do, Tony? Let's, let's do. Yeah. Oh, you seen the trailer for the Many Saints of Newark? It looks amazing, doesn't it? His Gandolfini's son yeah. in that just looks like he's got it absolutely nailed. That incredible state, uh, screen presence. Yeah. Doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Completely. It's exciting. Well, it's been a lovely staring at a screen f- for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm excited for for all, all that is ahead. Um, when this goes out, I think Sensor will maybe have just come out and Deceit will be on its way. Or is it the other way around? It could or be the other way around. It could be the other way around. Yeah. Hard to say. And I guess <laughs> Raised by Wolves is probably a fair way off because sci-fi, it takes ages to to put together and make it it look pretty. But yeah, 
excited yeah. to catch it all and for all that is ahead. Absolutely, Pat. It was lovely chatting to you. I love this podcast. This is my, I go for a run and I listen to this. I love it. Yeah. When we were in Cape Town, we went on a, we went on a safari and as we were driving back, we listened to the mental health series yeah. in the car. So we Amazing. were in like this minibus and we put it on and all the cast was just listening to it as we, we drove back to Cape Town. And there was it. a few tears, couple, many laughs, but like, it was just so refreshing to listen to people who were so honest. Yeah, you know, I love important. that, and it's completely surreal to me the the thought of that. You guys out there shooting this amazing thing, and then a little minibus full of people who I've watched on screen <laughs> and loved, all going back listening to to me and my mum rambling, or me and my goddaughter, Brilliant. or me and Stevie, all these one. people. <laughs> I love it. Well, as said, it's been a pleasure, and and we'll catch up soon. We shall. All right, Pep. Thanks, love. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was Neve back by Dope Demand. If this is the first time you've heard Neve, go and check out our previous chat because it's really good. And yeah, it'll tie things up nicely between the two. Um, I'll be back next week, as I mentioned, with Nathaniel Martello. Why? Actually, I never pre hype episodes right i normally keep it a bit quiet as to what's to come but as i've recalled this intro and outro today i recalled an episode with a much requested guest loki and it is astounding that dude his mind is amazing so it's not going to be out for a few weeks but i thought i'd treat you to a little pre-hype there um but tune in next week because my chat with, uh, with nathaniel martello white is also astounding it's one of them ones it was similar to the recent one with Sean Levy where it felt that we just clicked on our approach to things artistically. And yeah, it was a joy to have that conversation. I'm excited for what is ahead from that gentleman as well. But you'll hear about that next week. For now, stay safe, stay sane, go and see Censor in the cinema and watch The Seat on... Uh, on all four. All right, ta-ta.